Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the Interval Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back again for another week and joined again by Billy. Billy, how was your week, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Making some inroads uh, a couple of hundred at a time. Need to uh, stay making it a couple of thousand now, I think, mate, or we're doomed. Very, very good. Um, big couple of weeks coming up. Uh, and you've got Magic Round happening up your neck of the woods in Brisbane this week, so that's fun. You going along? Yeah, mate. Pretty excited about that. Um, some of the boys are coming up and coming down for it, so I'm going to head out there on Saturday and uh, have a few beers, watch the, watch the Eels for the first time in about four or five years, mate. So, yeah, pretty pumped to get out there and uh, get a master a bit, hey? Awesome. I wish I could go up, but I'm stuck down in Sydney, so have to watch it on TV. Um, so for this episode, guys, we're going to go through um, a bit of a, a strategy segment. The first strategy segment is going to be on how we captain players and what me and Billy look at and a few little tips and things um, because that's a question that's come up a fair few times on Twitter and also on the Facebook groups and stuff. Um, so we'll go through that first. The other thing that's come up constantly, which we've asked, answered some questions about um, as we go along with the mailbags, but we did say um, that we would do a segment on, is the buy planning. So we're going to do a really big um, buy planning analysis and have a look at that round 12 buy. Um, and some of the key players and everything else. So we'll be going through that, and then we'll move on to TLT uh, to go through the teams and a bit of a market watch and review on how we're looking at the moment. So first things first, we'll start off with the strategy stuff, and we'll do the captaincy talk first because it's going to be a bit quicker and easier. Um, Billy, I'll, I'll start off with one point that I want to make right off the cuff, and then I'll hand over to you. But one of the things that I see people doing in regards to choosing their captain very, very often, and it, um, it it's really surprising to me because it's something that's really easy to do when you're a head-to-head player, and that's a lot of guys go into a round with a C on the guy that they want to captain straight up. So on the Thursday night game, uh, when it opens into game day, everyone's opponent can see exactly who you got, um, and I've always thought that's a massive mistake. You want to get every advantage that you can get. Um, so one thing that I definitely do is I'm definitely not putting the C on um, my captain until during the round um, and probably preferably right before the game that they're going to play in. So, for example, last weekend, um, one of the guys I know uh, was laughing at me in one of the chats because he's saying, you, you're really that confident on Sivo, Bardsy. You, you've thrown the C on him. Uh, and I said, yeah, mate, Sivo's going to gun it this week. He's going to kill it. Now, I didn't really think that, but, um, of course, he scored 100, but that's beside the point. Um, I only put the C on Sivo because he was playing the last, the last game on the Monday. I didn't want my head-to-head opponent to know who I was going to have um, as my captain. One really big reason for that is because you can lose a head-to-head matchup by giving that away early on in the round and just leaving it on there. Um, a good example is if uh, your opponent has actually played all of their um, all of their players that are unique um, to play and they're well ahead of you and they know that they're going to win because you've got limited unique players left, they can very easily just uh, match your captaincy and that will secure them the win. Uh, Likewise, um, if they um, just want to play it safe, um, they can match your captaincy. And sometimes you you lose right from the get-go, Billy, because you might only have, especially in a few weeks' time when teams are a lot more similar, 
um, you might only have three or four unique players. So if your captaincy gets matched and your unique players on your side are, you know, benchies that you have to play like um, so a Ravalara that you're forced to play or some of these guys, and the other guy's unique players are three guns, he can just match your captaincy straight away on the Thursday night and force you to have to make a Hail Mary captaincy move or just you know, or just get the win for themselves. So I, I've always been really big on throwing a C on someone late in the week, like Sebo on Monday, like I said I did last week, and then deciding during the round, depending on how your head-to-head matchup plays out, who you're going to go for, um, and also not allowing your opponent to match it. Is that something that you do as well when you're working your captaincy during a head-to-head round? Uh, not really, because I don't play head-to-head much at all. And um, if I, if uh, for the comps that I am in sort of head-to-head, I don't actually watch them to the to the end of the year. Maybe I'm a little bit sort of arrogant and just assume I'm going to make the finals every year. But um, <laughs> but um, um, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, the only caveat there is the one I disagree. Like what I what I disagree with there with is um, if I if Corey Parker was wasn't. Um, was in retirement right now. If he was playing Thursday night, I'd just slap the sea on him every every week because you, you know the guy's going to give you sort of seventy five eighty on a bad night. So um, I'd be more than happy to sort of, sort of take that as as opposed to risking a, a VC and having to chuck it on someone who might give you a fifty five like Jerbo. So um, I'd be happy happy to take the a guaranteed kind of um, Reese Martin on a on a on a Thursday Friday night if um, if the dogs weren't that bad, um, you know, weren't that bad. But um, yeah, I know where you're coming from. Yeah, that, that's um, fine. Yeah. The, the definitely you can throw it on a Thursday night guy if you want. It's just making sure that if you've got a game uh, that's not the first game, that you're not exposing who you're going to captain to your head-to-head opponent before you need to. So say like you yeah. know, ten minutes before kickoff of that game that you need to yeah. throw the seal. Yeah, just switch them around. I think the one thing I will say here here is that if you can identify a VC um, later in, or even even the C option later in the weekend, like. Like, like like you said, it gives you the um, it gives you a chance to see what other sort of VC and C options fail earlier in the week. And if you get pretty much everyone chucking it on um, SJ and Cleary and and then uh, putting the safe C on sort of Jerva and having Jerva only go 55, if you still have a VC and a C later, uh, option up your sleeve for later in the weekend, it might give you the, the, the opportunity just to. You know, even slap a risky C on someone like Milford or Munster, knowing that even if they fail and score 45 or 50, you're still going to be on par with everyone else. It's only it's only if someone you know, chucks a VC or a C and gets an 80, 90 or 100 on a Friday or Saturday night that you missed it, you really don't want to chuck it on a half later in the weekend, knowing that there's a risk you're going to drop 50 points. Yeah, I agree with that as well. And that works for head-to-head too. What you're saying is very much um, good for overall, but... For head-to-head, it actually works really well too because it's always an advantage if you can see what your opponent's captaincy score is first. Um, and particularly when you get to semi-finals and stuff, if you can see um, who you, your opponent is captaining first, you can then alter your moves accordingly to try and win the matchup. So, you know, if you can keep it to one of the last two or three games of the round, there's a decent chance you'll get to see what your opponent's captain's going to score. Um, and if they happen to score like a you know, a ridiculous 130 or, or something and, and get a C on that one and double it to 260. Well, then you can look at if it's a must-win matchup, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to move it from, say, the, C, the maybe the safe option that I had in Reese Martin to a more riskier option in a center wing or a fullback that might actually help me catch up and maybe I'm also going to move um, some of my reserves around because I've got that many games still to come. I can change my team around enough where I can 
get some more unique plays in there to try and catch up. So I always think that it's a bit better, um, both for overall and also for uh, head-to-head, um, if you can not do it in the early games so you can sort of see the lay of the land, like you said as well. Yeah, I agree, mate. So what are some of the other strategies, Billy, that you use when you're having a look at your captaincy choices week to week? Um, sometimes I save my trades for later in the weekend, um, especially especially when, when you come down to sort of uh, files time and you've got, um, you know, sort of uh, three or four um, forwards on your bench. Um, but especially you come around by time too. Like some, sometimes I'll like put a... Um, um, uh, once I get to the point where I've nuffed out or I've pretty much gotten rid of my, my really low scoring centre three quarters that I just have sort of 60 to 80 minute forwards or hookers all on the bench, what I, what I might do is just um, even, even sub some of them, like a guy like Lane or something, something or other, and just purposely, purposely leave him out to see what he'll, actually, what he'll actually score. And if he scores over sort of 60 um, on the bench, um, then, I'm, then I'm happy to, to um, use that as an AE and and just take you know someone like uh, Cooks you know sort of lowly sort of uh, 75 or 80 for a score, but if, if he scores uh, re- if he scores really low on 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 the bench, then I might put the guy that I was actually potentially going to trade out in, into my into my starting side and then trade him sort of later on in the weekend, but making sure I have a target there. So I've got an AE. Um, uh, Nightmare eliminated. I've also got a, a loophole option in there, but I've also still got the trade up my sleeve. So, if the guy um, that I was going to VC or C um, actually does score well, I can actually save a trade. Yeah, that's really good. And using trades during a round is something that a lot of um, inexperienced coaches don't actually do, um, and it's really beneficial because, like you said, you can, especially if you don't have any must must have tradings that you have to do for a week, and you're going to save your trade at least one of those trades you can then use during the, the weekend if you need to to try and take advantage of a few situations. I did it a few years ago. I think I had um, I only ended up having only uh, one, one or two, I think one or two people left. Um, that's right. I think I had one person left, and that was like Cardi, and I chucked him from the start up to um, my only non-playing reserve. And and left him there. He ended up scoring, I think, 112. So rather than making my last minute trade, I used him as an auto emergency score to all of a sudden count in my team. But if he went rubbish, I would have uh, traded. Um, I would have um, traded one of the one of the nuffies to actually um, you know, pull Gallon or someone at the last minute and got that score instead. Yep, yep. Um, something that I also look at quite a bit which again is a bit of a tip for some of maybe the more inexperienced coaches, is I always look at the percentages each week of captaincy. Uh, I think it's really, really important if you're chasing points especially. So if you're chasing overall like you're, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 or, or whatever, um, and you, you know that you're far away from whatever goal that you have for this season, um, particularly useful if there's a couple of guys that you're choosing between. So if I'm, say, choosing between... Um, say I really like Ponga and say I really like Cleary and I think that they're both going to go just as well this week and they're both my captaincy options and I can't decide. Uh, I will just have a look at what the captaincy percentages are and what you'll often find is that someone like Ponga might be you know, 10.5% captain and right at the top um, whereas someone like Cleary might only be like 1% captain or 2% captain um, because he might not be popular that week. That makes it a really easy decision for me. I'll take Cleary because I think they're both going to go uh, really well this week anyway, and I can't decide. But at least I know that with the Cleary option, um, that 
if he goes better than Ponga, I'm going to get one up on those guys. And also, you know, 98% of the other super coaches haven't captained him. So it's definitely a way to make up ground. So percentages is something that I definitely have a look at every week as well, captaincy-wise. Yeah, I do the same thing, um, but uh, not not as religiously as that. I use it just to check um, uh, my risk factor. I generally just go VC and see who I actually want. And VC, I only ever do. I've never, I don't think I've ever really VC'd a forward before because they never score high enough apart from that. Someone like Sir, just maybe once a year, or a CHM, but you, a CHM is too hard to pick. Um, if you go and look at most, pretty much most scores over sort of 130, 120, 130, they're always sort of 5.8s or 5.8s, um, or maybe a, a fullback, but it's only going to be a turbo or a teddy and maybe a, a winger anomaly, which are, you can't pick a winger to score four tries. So um, if my VC is generally always a 5.8 versus a rubbish team. Um, uh, you saw that uh, Matrix that I did a little bit before and um, uh, this afternoon I think there was around 25 probably 25 tonnes or 30 tonnes this year and the only common denominator there was that pretty much it was pretty much every 5'8 or high quality fullback versus the Warriors and everyone that Every quality, every quality player on on the right side versus the dog. So, what I generally do is just go and look for the the weaker teams, and look for that one that one dominant person or that one sort of center or, or winger that's likely to go for a treble and just you know, potluck. But in saying that, I think in, in five years of playing Supercoach, I think I might have looped maybe once, maybe twice. Only that many times. So I reckon I've looped. I've looped quite a bit. <laughs> I've, I've, I've only ever had one or two people score over 130 before. Anything less than 130, I don't loop ever. Yeah, I've kind of got about 120 as my benchmark that I'll do, but um, obviously the buy rounds are different and also um, semi-finals for head-to-head if you're a head-to-head player. Um, yeah, yeah, I just, I just can't, I just can't leave out a bloke like CHN or you know um, Bateman um, just or, or a monster just for just for the sake of um, looping a potential 120. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the makeup of your side and also the point of the season, especially those. Um, I think that the other key point that you brought up, Billy, is who you're choosing for your VC. Um, and it's an error that I do see with some of the rookie coaches where they'll put a VC on a uh, probably maybe a surge just too often or, um, or a Fafita too often um, or some Fords just because they're playing earlier in the week. Um, that's probably not the strategy that I go for. It can work out sometimes. Like, obviously... You know, a Sergis can score a double or a Fafita can score a double or, or have a couple of assists with a try and stuff and they end up going sort of 120, 130 points and that might work out. But the majority of the time, it's kind of going to be a wasted VC. So um, I'm always looking at a at a back, like you said as well. I'll even do some left field ones with my VC and just and throw it on um, some guys that aren't being captains at all um, that might just match up with the stats, like you said. Um, and I think that's something that people don't do often enough. So, uh, for example... Um, you know, Oakenborg was going on some good runs at the start of the year. Um, he was um, a guy that only played a couple first-grade games, though. Nobody was going to captain him or, or see him, um, or even VC him, I should say. Sorry, probably. But if his matchup worked out well, he was just the sort of guy early in a round that I would like to throw the VC on um, because his base was good and he could go over for maybe three tries against the right matchup. Um, you saw it with Cody Walker against the Warriors, um, and you made the point about the stats against the Warriors was 5'8". He scored four tries against the Warriors, and again, Cody Walker's very lowly owned, and not many people have been seeing or, or captaining him perhaps before. Um, but definitely some of the, the lesser-known guys. 
Um, so, you know, rookie um, outside backs, even a, even a winger or something, you know, you've got to remember that it, it doesn't matter if they're a, not a very good, you know, super coach captaincy option. Your VC is like a free shot. And most of the time, like you said, you end up not using it anyway. So you may as well, if you're going to use it, make sure that it can be a bang where you're going to get, um, you know, a guy that can score three or four tries potentially in a massive route um, and also a guy that nobody's going to have anything to do with as far as a captaincy or even a loop option. Yeah, I'd love to VC some of Hunt or Lomax this week. Um, probably not so much Lomax, probably Hunt, but no one owns him. So next best thing would be um, the goal-kicking centre versus that, versus that Warriors team this week. That's probably about the juiciest to do. Yep, yep. Uh, and there's some of the good ones for, for VC-wise as well. Mate, is there any other um, key things that you look at? You did mention the stats that you look at. Obviously, the stats are really important and everyone should be taking those into account along with matchups. Is there anything other particular strategies that you use when you're picking a captain? Yeah, heat maps. Um, what I do is I have a look at the NRL Supercoach stats site um, heat map for 2000 for the previous year, and then when this year has enough games in there to not skew the data, I look at that and I overlay it. So um, if you look at last year, you'll probably you'll probably find that pretty much all all six sevens and ones versus the Titans go really well. Uh, outside backs, center three quarters go well versus the Eels and the Knights. Um, then you look at it this year and go, all right, well, the team structures have, have changed a little bit. Um, so certain other positions might go well. Um, it, it's funny when you look at teams like um, um, the, the Cows and you, send, you see that forwards actually do well, which is surprising. But you know, if, um, if you just end up just follow, following that equation, you generally find um, some, some patterns that work well. And one of the ones that I've been talking about every week is that, you know, edge back rowers always score versus versus um, the Broncos. Um, um, happened again last week. So um, Yeah, the patterns are just, really important. Yeah, you just... You just but edge back rowers scoring against uh, the Broncos, um, like they never score a ton. They always score a try. So you need to just... You need to um, separate the data from common sense and go, all right, so just because people score... Uh, second rowers score well versus uh, the Broncos... No reason to be sick. It just means they're going to score a try and get 80, 85, but that's not enough to loop. So it's a straight-out captaincy option only. So you just got to figure out which which the really weak teams. And for for me this week, that's you know, um, I think Nathan Cleary is the obvious choice. You know, uh, what's the other one? Yeah, um, any 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 anyone on the right side versus the Warriors. Yep. Um, the other key thing with the stats as well that uh, I think probably a lot of people don't look at. Um, but that you should is when you're looking at those teams and the matchups and stuff, and you're mentioning positions and stuff. Um, it's always really important, and me and you talk about this to look at uh, what sides of the field and what parts of the field teams are defensively not very good at. Um, so, for example, there's um, you know a left or a right edge that some teams are really really bad at, um, and if you look at the defensive stats. You can find that out, and that sort of stuff is really useful. Um, you mentioned it with a few players throughout the year uh, on the podcast, and one of them was the Broncos' edge edge tries that they concede. Some teams might actually appear pretty strong, um, you know, like um, the Storm and, and teams like that. You might think that they're really strong across the park, but actually they might actually be strong everywhere aside from, say, um, conceding middle forward tries where they might you know, rank in the top three or four. And that, you know, paves the way to maybe look at a middle forward against them, um, as an example. So there's always, there, are, there is always some sides that either leak um, on a left-hand side more than anyone else or a right-hand side more than anyone else, or some middles. Um, you know, the Panthers are a, a middle team 
where they were leaking quite a few points for a month to start the season right in the middle of the park. And some of that was because James Fisher-Harris was second in missed tackles, I think, even though he was attempting a lot. Um, and some of their other guys were missing a lot of tackles in the middle as well and falling off. So, yeah, I, I'm big on the the, the defensive um, deficiencies on either left or right sides or through the middle and playing with that as well. Yeah, one of the ones that really surprised me was that um, um, Manly. I, I thought I've been pretty much captaining or BCing a lot of people versus Manly this year, but haven't actually been going well. Um, I had a look at the data this afternoon and surprised me. Forwards scored the best versus Manly. Um, the outside backs are doing nothing. I think Manly, had, Manly just for some reason seemed to be holding their own, but forwards just seemed to be scoring consistent hit ups and um, get, getting a few line breaks, things like that. So um, sometimes the data surprises you. Um, the third most number of tons um, this year was actually versus the Storm, um, left side, surprisingly. But if yep. you go, again, if you, go, if you go and dig into that data, you'll find that, you know. Two of those were Holland and Oka in that game versus them where they just ran over the top of um, um, uh, Vooney. Um, but you also got to remember that um, fit, um, Catfish Pitts went up. Curtis Scott was actually playing that game. We well, ain't playing there anymore. That's That's been bolstered by Chambers. So data is accurate, but um, there's also variables in there that can change that data. Yeah, so um, I think the key to all of this is that there's you know half a dozen points that we've spoken about that you need to look at and, and either do as a strategy or, or have a look at different types of data to consider but when it comes down to it you've got to put all that data together and then look at the week's matchup and then make a gut decision as well the data is probably half the story um, and you got to fill in the other half of the story yourself just by watching your footy and, and sort of knowing what you're doing things like you know Curtis Scott may be playing there for the start of the year but not now so maybe those edge stats aren't the same um, also things like you know Manly you mentioned it uh, really good defensively in the backs um, even though the numbers say that the last month especially, I, I'm going to say I don't believe it as much. I don't think they're that good. Um, I think they've just gone well, um, and I'm expecting them to drop. Um, one of the key examples was the Tigers uh, to start last year were the number one defensive team, I think, or the, within the first three best defensive teams for maybe the first 10 weeks of the season. Um, I didn't think that was going to continue to that degree. Um, this year... Um, I didn't think that they would continue playing as well as what they did. And then they let in, you know, 50 points against Parramatta. Um, and their season seems to be going downhill a little bit again. So that's when I think you've got to sort of make some guesstimates as well on how you think the, the season's going to play out. Manly's one where, you know, even though those stats say um, don't, you know, see an outside back, if Teddy's playing Manly, I'm probably looking at him as a captaincy, even though that's not what the stats say. And I guess that's when you're, your gut needs to come into it and just some decisions to be made on, on how you think it'll play out. Let's move on, though, mate, to the other strategy talk that we were going to have for this, and that was a bioplanning segment. Um, so to kick us off, what I've actually done is I've put together, based on our current averages, the best possible starting 13 players for round 12, uh, and that's how they've gone so far this year. Now, I've excluded, obviously, likely origin players, um, so people like Nathan Cleary, for example, aren't in there. Maybe they don't make it and they become relevant. At the moment, we're excluding them. Um, I've also, with dual players, put um, where they best fit into making the best scoring team. So, for example, Sergis is a second row forward, front row forward, but he's much more valuable as your front row forward with how the points pan out for it. Um, and likewise as well, there's some guys who haven't played many games. Um, so Manu Ma'u is um, the main guy that that qualifies for because he hasn't played too much this year, but he does um, make an appearance. So let me go through that 
13, and then we can have a chat about it. Um, best possible starting 13 from round 12 based on averages at the moment. Looking at hooker, uh, we have Reed Marnie at the Eels. He's at 58.9 points. Front row forward, the two best are Surges at 68.9 points. James Fisher-Harris at 67.3. Second row forward, we've got our three slots. Murray at 68.5. Lolo at 67.7. Martin at 63.7. And then at halfback, we actually have Mitchell Moses at 65.6. 5'8", we've got C. Walker at 82.3. And centre wing, we've got the asterisk next to Mao because he hasn't played that many games. But at the moment, he does have a 70 average. That's obviously probably going to go down. CNK at 64.3, Fergo at 63.1, CHN at 62.9, and then at fullback we've got Gutherson at 72.9. So that's the best possible starting 13 at the moment based on averages so far this season and likely playing round 12. So interesting one. Let's start from the top, Billy, because I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, Hooker was the first one with Reed Marnie over at the Eels. One of the first things that I noticed when I put this together is even though Reed Marnie is 58.9 point average, the best hooker for round 12 at the moment, that average is, uh, you know, five point, four points exactly off the worst player out of all the other positions. Um, and looking at the top players in every other position, um, it's more like, you know, six or seven points worse than the best player in any other position. So hooker really does show itself as being um, a potential AE slot, um, and that's probably what my um, recommendation for people would be. If you don't own Marnie um, or some of the other options, uh, that would that clearly looks like based on the data that it's the AE spot that you're going to use. Yeah, I'm not I'm not trading in there, mate. Um, his minutes he's looked a lot a lot better the last few weeks because his minutes have been increasing. He started um, just below 70 minutes, but he's been playing pretty much 80. Um, the, last, the last five weeks, the ones he didn't play, he was 71 and 74 minutes. But he's, um, the two scores where he scored over 50 were um, both included a try, and he's playing the Rabbits in round 12, isn't he? Uh, I, I believe I, I believe he is. We can check that later. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be backing him to score a try versus them. So I did not want to get rid of um, Cook and bring him in for one game and then trade Cook back in straight away um, exactly one game later. So. Um, for the sake of two trades, I'll take an AE. Yeah, and the other hooker options that's are sort of there. Um, Fanu has come across um, as a bit of a bolt of the last couple of weeks that have had people talking. Over at Manly, Coruscant's actually playing 5-8 this week, but Manasseh Fanu has scored 80 and 93 points the last two weeks in a row with 53 and 57 minutes respectively. Uh, priced at 482k, he's actually got a minus 5 BE. Him and Hodgson are pretty much the only other options. Hodgson for a shot in the dark if he goes a bit better. And Farnu as a bit of a cash grab money maker if he can keep getting the minutes. Would you consider any of the other options other than Marnie for this spot? Or you're pretty sold on it being just a, an AE spot if you don't own one of these guys already? It depends on the form between now and then. Um, at the moment, I'm leaning towards no. But that's only because I would have to... Look, the only reason I would do it is if for some for some reason Cook got into um, you know really really high price, you know really good sort of seven hundred k price. Um, Mahone, Mahoney or someone was a decent was a decent enough price with a decent sort of break even that I could maybe offset uh, uh, a price a potential price loss 
from uh, Cook for a couple of weeks and make sort of a hundred, uh, 50, 70, 80, 90 grand off it. But I would, um, far as my backup, you would want, want to make sure that your backup is playable and, and you you can guarantee that you wouldn't have to play Mahoney or whatever his name is for sort of four or five weeks until such time you trade um, Cook back in and make 100 grand. Yep. Um, so moving on to front row forward, um, Sergis and JFH. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Sergis is, is pretty much a must-have in round 12 for any serious buy planners. I'm assuming that, that you'd agree with that. Beginning of the season, yeah, I would have said that, but he's been scoring a lot of tries of late, and if you if you don't own him for now, I'm not sure I would bring him in for one game and potentially score a 50 on the edge. You could probably get a cheap hitter to do it. Um, I would have advised a lot of people to buy him um, already so you can get his scores versus these weaker teams. Um, if you're going to get Surges, I would get him right now rather than wait for that round 12. If you've waited for round 12, I'd probably just take a, a, um, a cheapie instead. Honestly, yeah, I I tend to um, disagree on that one. I, I'd get him in um, at some point anyway before round twelve. He's playing the Cowboys um, this week, so he's got a decent chance of scoring against those forwards. But in round twelve, he's actually um, versing the Parramatta Eels um, as well, which is a decent matchup as well. So, yeah, I'm I would be getting him in on the view that not just for round twelve, but I see him as a um, one of the first choice keepers for front row forward. He's averaging 69 points, um, but uh, you know the other guys like to power averaging 61.6, so they're a fair way off the pace at the moment for props. So I, I reckon he's one of the guys that you have to have um, for sure. But I guess we'll agree to disagree on that one, mate. That's good. We've got a bit of a different opinion. Um, <laughs> JFH, though, he's been moved to an edge now, and even though he's the second... Um, best front row forward for round 12. Uh, I, I'm not that keen on JFH. Are you going to agree with me on this one? I was going to bring him in this week only because I couldn't find anyone else to buy, but he's been moved to an edge and he has an 80 ish break even, I think. So I'm just going to watch and wait um, and see. If he if he keeps playing sort of um, 80 minutes and he's punching 65 average still, then I'll get him. But he's not going to go up wildly in price between now and then. So. Yeah, some of the other options um, that, that didn't make the starting 13, Marty Tapao is obviously one. He only got 40 minutes on the weekend, but he's still averaged 61.6 points for the season so far. Um, and he's actually going to be cheaper than um, than what Fisher-Harris is going to be. So you yeah, can get him I'd rather, I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather wait for him. And although he hasn't exactly been performing, um, Jerbo's not going to be there, so there's going to be an extra 80 minutes up for grab. And he did this last year. Um, Sucker punched me. Just wasn't really... Um, I didn't think purchasing him was going to hurt me too much until he had that massive game while the rest of his team were on origin or um, injured and he just pretty much carried everyone. So I don't want to risk um, everyone else getting 100 points or NVCing him and me missing out. So I'm just going to get him. Yeah, I'd rather be starting Sergis and to power myself um, and leave JFH um, if I was choosing which two to start with for that round. Some of the other guys who um, who are around there for round 12 are Tamau, uh, Fenua Blake, Paulo, and Lane as a jewel. So they're a few of the other options. I don't really, I don't love any of those options. Fenua Blake's been pretty up and down. Um, Paulo's um, been up and down as well. Between the both of them, they've either had niggling injuries or suspensions. Um, are you keen on having a look at any of those guys for the buy, perhaps? 
No, not really. Um, I pretty much got my heart set on, on Tapao. Um, um, Marty did this last year. Yeah, average 52 off 46 minutes. And then you come into round eight and he scored 97, 86, 47, 74, 64, 87, 83. At the buy round was that round 13 and he scored 87. So, yeah, I'd much rather go with a guy who's actually got that proven offloading, uh, tackle-busting ability that's, that's potentially going to step up and, and, and get more minutes. Um, the question I'd probably ask you is, who do you think is in a team that's actually going to get more minutes because they're going to be origin depleted? Um, well, I mean, at the moment, the Panthers forward pack isn't going to have anyone in state of origin, but JFH is already getting 80 minutes, whereas um, Trevojevic is certainly going to be in the origin team. Um, and that's going to leave some middle minutes open at Manly. So you'd have to say um, everyone has more chance than JFH because he's already playing 80 minutes. So, so Powell's definitely looking like he's got more upside. And that's probably why I'd, I'm not huge on Tapao in my side only because I've already got Sean Lane there with Sergis anyway. So it's a trade I'll have to decide whether I need to make or not closer to, to the buy round. But um, the thing with looking at Tapao versus JFH is JFH has already shown his ceiling. He's already been getting 80 minutes and he's already been getting that in the middle. So he's either going to do exactly the same, you would hope, or he's going to go down in his production. And we've already started to see that because he's already been named on the edge and in the past he's been an absolute bum on the edge, so that's a real concern. Um, whereas Tapao can't actually get any worse than what he's been doing. He's you know got 40 minutes on the weekend, 43 the week before, and 48 and 39 the weeks before that, which was discussed on the podcast before. He, he only has upside. So at worst, you're going to get what he gets, but at best, you're going to get significantly more. So I just think that you know between the two, Tapao's got more opportunity to grow and, and be better for the round. Who do you reckon plays lock for Manly during Ivan? And I say this because it was Lane last year and he's not there anymore. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, Waddell started to get a heap more minutes, so I'm, I'm assuming that he would go into the pack, whether that means that there's a reshuffle, I'm not sure, um, because they've got Ciro in there that's not going to play at lock. Um yeah, not too sure what Dez will do, to be honest. At least you got more of, a, more of an idea there than what Mary will do. <laughs> Let's move on to the second row forwards. This is where there's a lot of lot of options. Um, so Cam Murray's 68.5 points a game, um, Lolo at 67.7 and Martin at 63.7. I'm planning on having all three of those guys in my second row forward for round 12. Billy, are you also having those three? Yeah, I think so, mate. Yep. Um, some of the other guys that didn't make the cut were Kikau and Sean Lane, um, and there wasn't really any other ones. I'm planning on having Kikau as a reserve as well. Um, the good news today with Kikau was that uh, it looks like he's even an outside chance of playing this week, which is extraordinary. Um, but he's, if that's the case, he's definitely going to be right for round 12. Um, so to me, this one's pretty straightforward, Billy. Um, Murray, Lolo, Martin... Kick out as your reserve second row on the bench. Um, that would be a good aim. Um, and realistically, you know, Lolo and Martin in particular, I think, are pretty close to must-haves for the round because they are both going to be guys that you can put in and that you can keep until the end of the season. Yeah, mate, hundred percent. Shane Arrow's not going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> too good. Well, that Queensland team's so depleted that um, you know. There's no chance, unfortunately, this year. Maybe other seasons we could have prayed. Um, so second row forward looks pretty straightforward. 
as far as the definites go and kick out as a reserve. Someone like Sean Lane um, hasn't been doing too well. If you own him, uh, I think it's you know it's obviously good for you because that's another number. Pretty tough to buy him though, even though he's sort of the fifth rated second row forward for the round. Yeah, there's no guarantee he's going to go over the line and they're playing the rabbits. So if you haven't got him already, I wouldn't be trading him in. I'd be, um, I'd be picking off a cash out somewhere if you could. Yeah, the only thing with him is that he does have a B of 81 um, and he's playing the Storm this week. So yeah, maybe he's got a couple of weeks where he'll drop in price. Is there a price point that he'll get to where you would say you'd maybe consider him if you didn't own him? Like if he drops, you know, 60K and he's... 450 or sub 450? Uh, if he's 450 with a half decent break even, then, then yeah. Uh, so moving on to half back, Mitchell Moses is at 65.6 points, which is quite surprising. He's, um, you know, I've never been a Moses fan, but he's really crept up there um, and started scoring quite well. So we haven't really looked at him on the podcast much because I, I really don't like his inconsistency. But how's this for inconsistent? 73 points last round. Before that, 27, 133, 37, 112, 28. Every second week, he's an absolute dud, but every other week, he's an absolute gun. I am um, at 582,000 at the moment. He does have 104 BE against the Storm, so he might actually ripen really, really nicely for that round 12 buy over the next couple of price drops, but... At the moment, even though he's the best halfback, I'm looking at an AE. Do you think that he's a worthwhile investment for people to maybe get for round 12? Not versus the Rabbits, mate. No way in hell. I'd, I'd much rather play overs for Cody Walker. Yeah, but this is halfback and Walker's 5'8 only. Um, I'd probably take... Uh, I, I think most people's halves are going to be Cleary and Dearden or the... Whatever you call it. So unless you're seriously going to cash out Cleary and leave and leave yourself short for the next round, I can't see anyone owning him. Yeah, uh, the only other option that even came into consideration for the round was um, Adam Reynolds was the second best option at fifty nine point one points. Um, I can't look at A Ray either. He's um, he doesn't have big enough scores in him for me to bother investing in him. So yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, Billy. I, I wouldn't buy anyone. I would just I'd cop an AE for this one. Um, or just play short. We've said AE for hooker and half, but that still gives you 15 players, and 15 players is fine. Those are the two spots that I'm looking at um, taking the AE in. Um, having said that, when Moses would maybe become a buy, he's got 104 BE. Um, if the next two weeks he ends up getting you know 50 points, then you know in three weeks' time, um, he might be sort of below 500K, and maybe you could take a punt if you're really far behind and you want to catch up, I guess. That Bankwest Stadium, that feels near home ground. They're two for two smashing people there, so might not be the worst. If yeah, I definitely wouldn't. I, I'm definitely not keen on Reynolds, but Moses, if he gets cheap enough and you've got enough trades up your sleeve, you could just go for it. After the storm this week, if he drops enough, they've then got Cowboys, then they've got Panthers, but it's at Bankwest, then the Rabbits at Bankwest, so it might not be the worst. Then they've got an away game, then two two home games. Um, um, at which point you can then sell him. I wouldn't play him for any of those other games, but you could just have him sit on your bench and then hopefully appreciate a little bit. Yeah, and it, it comes to a really good point on um, strategy for the buy rounds as well. Some of it's picking the best players, um, but some of it is also opportunity. What I mean by opportunity is 
even if you're planning on not getting a Mitchell Moses, but they ended up being a guy who um, just ended up, you know, dropping a heap of cash by the time you get to um, your round 12 trades. Um, and they've got a low BE after that. You can effectively get them in and then look at capitalising by not only getting the points in round 12 and also making maybe, you know, 70 to 100K in three or four weeks to trade back out for the round 16 buy. Um, and that's what I'll be actually looking at. Aside from these top scoring guys, I'll also be looking at um, players who present value, who I can trade in, and I can then trade out at a profit to get my round 16 team together. I think the hard part here, but is buddy, um, that dead and bloke um, is going to be um, have his what's his, his first price rise in two weeks from now. So pretty much every man, his dog is going to have have to be cashing out CHT um, uh, to him to him um, in, in a couple of weeks, which means he's going to be holding up a spot until round twelve. Yeah, and that's when the planning sort of comes into it. Um, so I'll I'll say outright that I'm I'm looking not getting Dearden at the moment. I know that might sound crazy, but um, it works a lot easier with the planning and stuff. And we're at a point in the season where you can't have absolutely everybody. Dearden's a rookie halfback. He didn't score that great the first week. Uh, maybe he's not going to make that much money, but maybe it won't matter with all the other cashies around. So I'm seriously considering just not getting him to give myself a flexibility. Yeah, same. No seven, no nine for me. So five eight. Cody Walker, you mentioned him before. He is the number one player. So 82.3 points. This is where it gets really interesting because if Cody Walker doesn't play Origin, and we're assuming that he probably won't, despite the fact that he probably deserves it, um, he is going to be the player to have. But at the moment, he's still quite a pod option, very um, low ownership because his price is 737k, um, and he still only has a 76 BE, which he can easily hit or eclipse against the Cowboys this week. So he's a real premium option and looks and he's the number one player in the round to have. So the question becomes, Billy, would you be looking at breaking the bank to pay, you know, seven hundred K for Cody Walker if it comes to the crunch and you need to get him in round eleven and that's how much he is? Or would you consider bypassing him for a cheaper option? If he's at price for um, round twelve, I'll pay for him to get in get in and get out, but there's no way in hell I'm paying that for him right now. Yep. So you're going to just wait and see the next couple of weeks if we can get a discount on him, and, and if we can, great. And if we can't, then you're going to jump on anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, he's he's bloody frustrating. He's that bloke that we talked about at the beginning of the season and said, ah, look, he's priced at his peak, and even if he does well, um, he's a try scoring machine. The only way the only way he's going to be out of reach if he scores, you know, one and a half tries per week, and that's not going to happen. <laughs> look what's happened. Yeah. He scores. He's- 10, 10 in seven weeks, what a prick. Oh, it's crazy. And he's playing Parramatta, who might give up some points to him as well in round 12. So the other thing with the value of some of these guys, if you're not looking at getting some of these top guys, make sure the top guys that you're going to leave out of your team aren't going to be captaincy or VC options for the round because you don't want to leave yourself short there um, if you're planning on catching up for round 12. Cody Walker is a premium C or VC option for that round. So... Even though he's really expensive, if you're serious about buy planning and you really want to smash that first buy, I don't see any way that you can leave him out myself. Yeah, I don't want to leave him out. Um, I'm just hoping that he plays early enough in the weekend. He's that type of guy that you really don't want to see. You want a VC only. Yeah, um, it's 
it's going to be interesting um, how heavily owned he is by the time we get to that bike because he's pretty low still at the moment. He's um, he's playing the second game against Parramatta, so it's um, pretty early in the round. So that you can easily do the VC on him, and there's some good matchups afterwards to throw a safer C on. So it works out really yeah. well with VC. Yeah, the thing with him is he can he can be on 96 after seven minutes, but then at full time he'll still be on he'll still be on the same score, the same as lateral. Oh yeah, it can be frustrating, but in that in round 12, if he's on 96 points at any point, I'd be really happy with that for that round. So it can work out. Yeah, oh, I think you've got to get him in, find a way, make sure you plan ahead because it can be costly. Um, Centre wing wise, uh, your mate at Parramatta that's come back with a vengeance, Manu Mau. He's um, got a 70 average at the moment, albeit in not very many games. Uh, then we've got CNK, Fergo, and CHM. Obviously, Fergo, there's a there's a chance that he might play Origin. Um, some of the backup guys that are pretty close behind, Sevo is actually coming in as the fifth best centre wing with a 61 point average. Jarrett Croker just over 58, and Oakenboard just over 57. Um, which of these guys are you looking at having for your centre wing? I sold Sivo about three weeks ago, um, and yeah, he's just been cracking scores out, but I couldn't. He's, he's one of the very few guys I would actually consider buying back after selling two weeks earlier, but um, <laughs> a, winger versus, a winger versus the Storm, I just couldn't do it, mate. Um, I, I think I'll just stick to my guns and go someone, someone a little more solid, like a, a, a goal-kicking Croker. Um, if I had to choose, um, if I had to choose between those two, I'd go to Golki Mud. Yep. And which of these other guys? Uh, Manu, Mau, CNK, Fergo, and CHN. Um, CNK, everyone's got already, but uh, he, he would be if if you don't, he would be at the top of all this. Fergo, I'm not interested at all. Um, he 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 can score two tries and be on sixty. Um, and I don't want to I don't want to bankroll that. Um, versus. Versus um, the rabbits, mate. I would much rather, if I had to put him in order, I would go um, uh, CNK, then Gutterson, then Kropia, Sivo, Virgo last. The reason I don't have Gutherson in there is um, because he was a number one fullback by a long way. Um, that was the only reason I didn't mention him, just to put that out there. Um, so, Manu Mau, let's talk about him for a minute, and then I'm going to disagree with you on Fergo after that. <laughs> Mo's come back and he's um, only played 42 and 46 minutes, um, but he's scored really well in those two weeks. He's only got a 65 BE this week, so he might be someone that doesn't actually get a lot cheaper than what he is. Um, would you be prepared to pay, you know, the, well, he's 585K now, he's probably not going to drop below 550 for the buy round. Um, is he someone that you would go out on a limb and, and grab? Because at the moment, he's performing really highly, averaging 70 across his first couple of games. Mate, I wouldn't pay that for him if he was starting at second row right now. He's coming off the bench, so it's a double minute for me. What if he's starting before round 12, though? If he's starting before round 12, I'll buy him on round 12 on the proviso that he's guaranteed 80 minutes and he actually is starting. Yep. Fair enough. Um, with Fergo, I actually reckon he's a cracking buy, so I'm gonna, that'll be one that we'll disagree on. Um, I think he's fantastic for round 12. He's only 519k at the moment. He's got a 44 BE, um, and I reckon he's been going pretty well. Um, so he's he's one that's on my list. I tell you, the only reason I'm not buying him, Billy, is because I think there's a decent chance that he's going to get Origin. Yeah. Yep. 
that's the reason why I'm not buying it now, and I wouldn't. Want, and if I'm not buying it now, I don't want to buy it for one day. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm going to consider it in round eleven. I don't think we can pick him now. I think you prioritise your other trade-ins instead of Fergo. Um, but that's a pretty solid centre wing. Um, as far as fullback goes, like I said, the only option is Gutherson. Um, if he's not playing State of Origin, and at the moment it looks like he's probably not, then it's Gutherson and Daylight. Um, so we talked about not get, not being that interested in Clint Gutherson before, and he's obviously proved us wrong for quite some time. He's 581k at the moment with an 84 BE against the Storm. So he projects to, to go down pretty nicely, and you might be able to get him in the next two weeks at maybe 540k. Um, so to me, he's definitely someone that I'm targeting for fullback for the buy. I don't think there's many other good options aside from maybe playing C and K at fullback as a dual. Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, after looking at those numbers, I'm even contemplating getting him this week, only because I, I need to get someone. Both of those plays even just a little bit too high for me. Um, I, know, I know he's playing against the Storm, but uh, if the Dogs can score three, uh, a couple of times down that left side versus him on may as well give him, him, a, him a shot, but it's still the storm. Um, it's not in Melbourne, that's yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. But, um, yeah, there's, there's there's very few limited sort of second options this week apart from Aikens to get. So, um, I might throw his name. It, it's either going to be him or going early on, Milo, I think. Yep. Um, and that's, look, that's going through the top 13, everyone. Um, obviously, you, you're going to try and have some reserves, maybe. Um, 15 is my optimal number. Um, if you are wanting to really compete for that first buy round, I think 15 is a good number to have. Uh, I wouldn't push yourself to get 17. I'd just make sure that you've got a good quality 15. Um, but you're obviously going to have some reserves in there that you already have. Like Billy, you mentioned Aikens. He's he's going to be a really good option to get this week. But probably the, the one thing that I'll leave the buy planning on, my one bit of advice is the bit of advice I've said all year in pre-season. You have to be planning on it. So even if you say... You know, you don't have five of these guys that me and Billy rattled off in our our top 13 um, for round 12, but you want to get them in. You can't just be waiting for their break-evens and stuff. Um, And I I was talking about this actually today with some guys about Tomalolo because um, someone mentioned on Twitter that, um, uh, you know, Tomalolo's got a a 100-plus break-even, but people are training him in. Um, And I was actually saying, well, I kind of understand because if you're planning ahead... And, and or you need some points now because of the injuries, then maybe this works out the best time to get him um, because you can't trade everybody in at the, the time they're cheapest. Um, and if you don't plan and have a look at that and bite the bullet paying some extra money for some of these guys, well, Billy, you're going to end up getting to round 11 needing to make seven trades and you're not going to be able to get everyone in. Yeah, you've got to use those trades when you can. So I just chucked in the numbers in. So for someone like... Um... Uh, Gutherson, if you don't get him this week and he scores fifty, if he if 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 he scores fifty five this week, he loses twenty grand. But then if he scores around um, fifty five the week after, um, plat, um, makes ten grand back. So yeah, worst case scenario, you're going to lose to the ten grand off him just by playing the storm. So um, similarly, if you go and do a, a like like let me just do Tom Lola for example while we're here. All right, so Jason Tomalolo has got a massive break-even this week. Uh, he's projected to lose... If he scores, um, if he scores um, 68 this week, which is what they've projected, um, he'll lose uh, 36,000. But then if he keeps maintaining it, he'll uh, make sort of seven, seven, seven grand back. So you're going to lose 30 grand off him. But 
that's only in the short term. You'll, you, you know you'll make you know you'll make that back. So um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too worried about that. If you want to go if you, if you want to go early on on Lolo, thinking he's going to get points this week, you're going to take a 35k sort of cash drop, but you'll get a little bit of it back. If you wait one week, um, you want to be buying in next week because he's going to go straight back up. Yep. That's a really good example where it's just, you know, if you want to make sure that you got him in round 12, it's going to cost you 30 grand. And to me, it's just worth paying the 30 grand. Um, there's some teams as well that'll be trading him in because they'll need um, they'll need a number for round 12, but they also need someone this week because maybe they had Bateman and Kikau both go down um, and some other guys, and they're looking at playing some plays they don't really want to play. So, you know, yeah. if it's going yeah. to cost you 30 grand. Yeah, like you said, that's the question too. Um do you play um, a mediocre player this week in order to save 36 grand, or do you bite the bullet and pay, pay 36 grand to get a guarantee of you know an extra 20 points? And what's to say he doesn't score a ton this week? Who knows? Yep, and he's someone that you're going to get in for round 12 anyway, and that's probably the other bit of advice for this buy planning segment. Um, you've got to get in um, players at the moment that are going to play round 12. Um, I don't think many teams are going to be able to afford to not be trading in at least one player each week um, that's going to be playing round 12, and you've got to prioritise those guys. So we spoke a, a couple of weeks ago and said, look, you've still got enough time to maybe trade in Cameron Munster two weeks ago to get the points for, for a month or so, um, and that was fine. At this point, I don't think there's going to be many teams that are well off enough uh, with numbers to be able to say, Oh, I'm actually just going to get some gun, other guns in this week. Like I'm going to get Latrell Mitchell, and I'm going to get Dearden in as a cheapie. And you know, next week I'll start to get some um, some round twelve guys in. Because what we what we saw this last week is a good example too. Um, Bateman was going to be a, a fantastic round twelve number, but he's he's out now. He's hurt, and that's going to happen. There's going to be at least one other player in the next three weeks that goes down hurt and isn't going to play round twelve. So. I think anyone who wants to prioritise round 12, Billy, they've got to be prioritising at every trade from this week onwards. Yeah, mate, I'd agree with that. Look, Just look at the balance of your team and figure out where you, where you need to um, um, save points to like, between now and then. It's not all about just getting players in. It's about you know avoiding points leakage between now and then too. Yep. Um, was there any other um, points that you wanted to add with the buy planning strategy or any other plays that you wanted to mention before we move on? Yeah, 100%. Um, don't bust a nut to get that team 100% perfect because uh, you're still going to have to be strong between now and then and you're going to have to be strong in the middle as well. So you can you can have a team that punches 1,300 in the buy round, but if you've got that same team that you're going to um, play in round sort of um, 13 or 14, have a look at it and make sure you're going to like it because the people that don't buy plan are going to have Cook, they're going to have... Um, Clearing, they're going to have all those guys in their team and they're going to be absolutely full strength around 13, 14. So if you can't beat them with that team around 13, 14, there's no point by playing at all. Yep, really good point. Um, and that it's a much deeper discussion and a much deeper amount of buy planning. But the other thing that um, with Billy's point that it alludes to is you can just look at round 12 as a starter. Who are the best players for round 12? But you probably want to look at who's the best players for round 12 and 13 especially. Um, but also probably 14, because you want to make sure for that three-week period that the points that you're going to get by getting in that round 12 player is going to be better than, say, playing Damien Cook for round 13 and 14. Because it might very yeah. well be that, you know, Hodgson playing round 12, 13 and 14 may not score as much as Cook does in just round 13 and 14. Yeah, one other thing to think of is too, like, um, I've got this conundrum at the moment. 
um, do I sell uh, Burr in order to fund fund uh, Tomalala uh, or Gutherson? But um, it seems great in theory, but if you flip the other way around, what happens post round 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 twelve? Now all of a sudden you've got four players, and you need to all of a sudden get um, you know, thirteen players in for round seventeen. So just think about the players that you're cutting, but also think: uh, Do you really want to hold them that long, and can you u- utilize that value better between now and round th- and round sort of, um, seventeen? Yep, and there's also going to be some players that'll that'll potentially rest round thirteen as well. So you've got to be prepared for that too. Yeah, plus injuries. Plus injuries. Yep. All right, so that's our buy planning segment for this week, strategy talk. Uh, we're going to go on to teams now. All right, so the first game of the round uh, this week is Sharks v Titans. Um, obviously, it's magic round, so everything's going to be at Suncorp. Uh, Supercoach news that's relevant, probably the most relevant for the Titans, is going to be Tyrone Roberts um, out with concussion, being replaced with AJ Brimson in the halves. Um, so AJ Brimson looked really good on the weekend. So he's someone who's being spoken about a little bit. Michael Gordon still has to pass his um, protocol for his concussion. So there's a chance that he might be out. It looks probably unlikely, but if he is, it'll probably push, push um, Brimson to fullback, which is going to be his best spot. For the Sharkies, Sione Katoa makes way on the wing for Fecky to come in. Um, and that's the main super coach relevant news for these two sides for the first game. Looking at the Titans, first of all, Billy, um, there isn't any being traded in or out, which is the story every week with the Titans because they don't have a, a lot of interesting players. Um, AJ Brimson's gotten a little bit of talk about him, though, and I know that you've been a fan of him. Um, if he's playing in the one jersey, have you had any inkling of maybe bringing him in or having a look at him, considering he does play round 12 as well? Uh, last year we mentioned him as a specky playing um, fullback, but um, unless he's playing fullback, I wouldn't bother. He's been named on the halves this week with Gordon back, so no, I wouldn't touch him. Yeah, he's scored 87 on the weekend, but that's because he got 77 minutes and um, got to play fullback. He's 320k and he's got an 8 BE. Um, so I understand why people got peaked with interest, but um, I, yeah, I'm not interested at all. I'm much more interested in talking about market watch for the Sharkies here. Um, I was a little bit surprised in Bronson Zeri um, being traded out by a couple of percent of coaches. Um, he's playing the Titans this weekend. He does have a 41 BE, but playing the Titans, there could be some points in those outside backs. Um, unless it's just teams that absolutely have to trade him for the cash, I, I think that you should probably be holding him for this round, Billy. Yeah, I'd be playing him this week. Yeah, I'd be playing him as well. Um, if I had to choose between him and um, Aikens, though, I'd be going probably um, Aikens versus the Tigers, but if I had to choose between the two. Yep. Yep. Um, so Zeri, I, I get if you can't trade him, anyone else out, uh, but otherwise I, I, I think that he might end up getting another big cash rise coming if he can go well this week, which is a chance. Kirk Capel makes it on the most traded out list. Um, that is a definite. He has to go get rid of him so you can get some um, keepers in or, or round 12 players if you're planning for that. Uh, but otherwise, Billy, C and VC options for this one. Can you see anything that you like? If I had to throw an absolute smoky out there, maybe a Zeri as a, as a VC. Yep. Cherry would have to say this. Um, I can't really see any other one. Fafita, not enough minutes to, um, be, to VC, mate. 
Yeah, Fafita is an interesting one. If we went back a few weeks ago, I would have been really keen for this game. Uh, and I would have been keen to even potentially throw the C on him um, straight up. But he only played 51 minutes on the weekend for 45 points. Um, even though the couple of weeks before that were good, um, you know, four weeks ago he played 48 minutes for 58 points. He just seems to be very up and down with his minutes and stuff. And um, I don't know if I could trust him for the matchup. Um, whereas. Yeah, one of the other things that Lads mentioned is um, given that every se- there's going to be eight NRL games all played on um, on one surface, maybe the surface will be chopped up a little bit um, by by the time so the third or fourth game comes around. Um, I don't see much rain being forecasted, but it's not not the worst idea to go on a on, on a, a known tackle busting offloading forward versus one of the one of the weaker teams in the comp first up. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I think Fafita could be in for a good game. I'm glad I own him. I don't have the balls to put the C on him. Um, I'm also glad that I own Arrow at the moment. His last three weeks, he's gotten 74, 66, and 70 minutes. There has been some injuries in there, but it looks like that the coach is happy to play more minutes. Even though he played extra minutes on the weekend um, at 74, it does look like he's back to 60s in his minutes, um, and he scored 80 points on the weekend. 78 of that, Billy, was in raw base, so I'm looking forward to a, a bit of a base stat resurgence to him. Yeah, same, mate. Um, so where do you reckon this one's going to go, mate? Who's going to win? What's your score and your bold predictions? Uh, I'd have to go Sharkies here, for sure. Uh, not not by a fortune, but maybe 10. Yeah, I reckon that you're about right. I'm going to go the same. I'm going to stick with you. Have you got any other players in this one that you're eyeing off? or? There was one that surprised me the other day. I didn't realise how, how consistent Brian Kelly was with some of his scores, so I might just be watching him over, over the next couple of weeks, and if I need um, a downgrade or just a someone for um, for round 12 and he's not ridiculously brushed, I might be tempted to give him a go. Yep. No, good pod call there. Tigers versus Panthers is the next one up. Um, now, main news is Benji Marshall is actually returning, which puts Ryan Madison... Back to the back row, which is good for his owners. Elijah Taylor's been dropped again, which is a bit surprising. Matt Eisenhuth is replacing Josh Alloway uh, at lock. He's going to be a really good um, target for anyone in draft. Uh, Panthers, now, Caleb Bacon's retained his number one jersey, so he's going to get a price rise after this one. Comes a really good buy. Kikau is replaced by Frank Winnerstein, um, but Kikau's on the extended bench. He's an outside chance of playing. I doubt that he would. Uh, Dean Fares returning um, with DWZ shifting to the wing in place of MWZ. He's out with rib cartilage. Um, so looking at Caleb Aikens, first of all, Billy, because he looks like um, the cheapie of the round. Um, Malachi Witteni Zalesniak is looking at one to three weeks on the sidelines with rib cartilage. Um, I was big on Aikens ending up with the number one jersey anyway, even when he was healthy. But... He looks like a really good player, um, and against this matchup against the Tigers, uh, he could end up doing actually quite well and, and making a big price rise for next week. Yeah, I've been looking at him the last few weeks. Um, he's um, 28 points in hit-ups per game. He's had two tackle busts in one game, three tackle busts in the other game. Um, he had um, uh, one one line break. Hasn't gone over the, over the over the white stripe yet. Um, given his op- opposition for the, for the next few weeks, uh, I'd be more than happy to play him every week between now and then. But um, uh, he, he he's, he's going to get his first try soon. I'm just hoping it's just hoping it's this week, mate. 
yeah, I'm I'm really keen on him as a trade in this week. I've already got him, but if you don't, I think that he's a perfect downgrade option um, to cash someone out and get some cash for upgrades and for round twelve. He's going to be playing round twelve at the moment if he maintains in the side. So it's not just a downgrade, but it's also a number for that round twelve buy. And he's dual at centre wing and fullback, so he ticks a lot of boxes. Two hundred seventeen k. Very much recommend getting him in. Um, the only other guy that piqued my interest quite a bit in this one, Billy, is um, Nathan Cleary's been doing a lot better. Um, he's got 79 points on the weekend, uh, and it seems to be, even though the Panthers aren't still doing as good as what they could, he's still putting up the numbers now that we, me and you both expected from him. Um, I, I see him as maybe a VC option for this week. I mentioned I, I might consider that as well. Yeah, it's just frustrating that he's doing it now, not the beginning of the season when everyone needed him. Um, but look, at least, at least he's chucking them up now, which is good. Um, just to, just in time for that run. Um, yeah, I'm I'm chucking the VC on him for sure, mate. Um, VC him and Martin Martin straight out C again for me. I like it. He's um got 79, 65, 96, and 82 his last four weeks. Really good month of football. Three round average of 80, five round average of 75. He's actually solidifying himself as a almost an outright C option again. He's become quite consistent, so. Doing really well. Um, I'm expecting a lot of things from him. If you don't have him and you're not concerned about round 12 or you want to take the risk that you think he's going to get dropped for origin, uh, he's not a bad trade-in at 610k. I would I would get him anyway just for the points between now and then. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad call at all, mate. Um, I, I tend to agree. I think that he's the best halfback in the competition for Supercoach. We, um, we, we mentioned that last week. I think on our pod last week, people were asking for a replacement for SJ, and I think I'm uh, pretty sure... Our, response was consistent, just get Cleary for his run, and I think last week's points um, pretty much um, supported that decision, so if, you have, if you've if you got the same question this week, just the answer's the same, just Cleary. Yep, 100% agree. Um, there's not really any um, major trading or trade-out guys to talk about um, on this one, let's um, move on to the next, where we've got the Seagulls versus the Broncos, um, so... This one, he's got a lot of changes. Um, Lachlan Croker's out for the Sea Eagles, um, which means Coruscant's going to 5'8". Adina or blake is replaced in the starting side by Sipley. Um, Morgan Boyle and Taganoa join the bench. Um, and Abbas Miski, who debuted last week, is out for Tafua to return. Broncos have got heaps of changes too. So Andrew McCulloch is out for eight weeks, and he's replaced at hooker by Jake Turpin. Um, Roberts and Asako have both been dropped. Um, Bird goes over to the other side to right centre. And Katoni Staggs will come in at left centre. Um, Shibasaki replaces Asako's wing spot. And Tavita Pengai Jr. has been benched with Thomas Flegler promoted to start. Billy, I don't think there's been one game in the last two years where we've had that many changes between both teams. Yeah. Um, although the last time the last time Flegler was named at 13 I wet myself and he got uh, he got a total of uh, 30, 30 minutes in the first half followed by zero for the rest of the game and I was sticking pins in a Seabold voodoo oh, mate. I was filthy couldn't believe it um, excited that Flegler was back at 13 but hopefully he gets a few more minutes and, and a couple more price increases Turpin I know nothing about I can't even see him, see him listed anywhere yeah, Sipley's minutes are pretty ordinary. I can't see much happening there. Fainu, yeah, it's just going to be a, one hell of a game to watch. And you've, you've got someone like... I, I didn't even see the game last week, but apparently Garrick was awesome, so it'd 
be interesting to see what what, what he chucks up versus um 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 is he right is he right edge so he'll be running at uh, oh he'll be running oats won't he yeah I believe so but he's actually picked up the goal kicking so he's going to be kicking yeah um let's just hope he's uh, kicking a few few his own conversions but mate because uh, otherwise his base prior to that was pretty ordinary but if he's looking much better might actually watch this game and see how good the kid actually is yep um, well, he killed it last week. Um, traded out wise, Jermaine Asako, um, Matt Gillett, and Andrew McCulloch, three Broncos in the top 10 traded out players. All of them make complete sense. Um, traded in players, though. Um, Thomas Dearden's the fourth most traded in player at just under 6% at the moment. He's obviously debuted last week, Billy. Um, this isn't a bad matchup for him, potentially, but. He's still got another week before he's going to go up. His debut, he only put up 33 points. Um, now, normally I would just jump on a young guy that's got good job security because Nikarima's gone now. But like I said at the start, I'm actually looking at not getting him. And if I was looking at getting him, I'd want to see one more week and not getting him in this week. I'd be looking at him for a next week's trading. Yeah, because you've also got the option of, um, what's his name from the Sharks? Um, Flanagan. Um, but um, I think it's pretty reasonable. Pretty reasonably safe to sort of get him in. You know his competition is gone. He actually looked like he actually looked pretty good last week. I can't see him being dropped straight away. Surely he's going to get you know, four or five games just to see how he goes. Not like they have got much in the pipeline that can sort of overtake him. Um, if you're if you're really not keen on um, getting a Lola or anyone like that at the moment, and you actually just some people just need to find a cash out for um, um, see uh, which which CH is it. <laughs> The CHT, I think it is. Yeah, if if you just need a um, an actual cash out and he's your only option, that's sometimes it's okay to pull the trigger early, um, as long as you're not playing him. Even though it's the even though it's the um, no, it's mainly I wouldn't be playing a rookie half. I'd just be taking the cash and bolstering elsewhere. Yeah, I'm actually um, I'm avoiding him and still training out CHT from the Warriors. So I'm doing that via Cartwright. Um, so my jewels allow me to put um, Cartwright into the halves and trade out CHT and get Reese Martin in. So I'm actually going to bypass Dearden altogether. Um, I think it's a fine trade-in. I'd rather wait until next week, though. You never know what's going to happen, um, and that's the biggest thing. If you don't need to do a trade for a rookie to make money off, then um, I always think that you need to wait. You know, guys get injured all the time. We saw on the weekend that was carnage with the injuries. So, you know, if Thomas Dearden does a knee on the, on the weekend, heaven forbid, um, you're going to be stuck with him there and have to waste two trades on a 168k player that hasn't had any rises. So, if you can, I'd, I'd be waiting until next week. Um, yeah. So just quickly, yeah. um, I'm just going to make a point. Um, Milford is that bloody low in price. <laughs> he might actually stay around this mark. So you might even want to keep a spot free for him for the round. Um, the round. The next 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 round of buys. If you're looking. At, if you might, if you're looking for a um, maybe a sort of Cody Walker switch or someone like that at the last minute, just for another cover later on, he's an option too. Yeah, and I'm actually looking at Milford as a backup for um, for the next buy. Um, he he becomes quite interesting for round 16, and for this game, um, I I would be looking at a VC for this game. I thought he's been playing a lot better, and I expect the Broncos to do a lot better this week. So VCC talk. Um, the only guy I was really interested in here was. Um, was Milford, or if I owned Oates, maybe a VC on Oates. Payne Haas is the one that picks my interest here. But he doesn't play enough minutes to play 
to be a VC, and I don't think he played. I don't think there's enough guarantee of his minutes to to see. So I'll be able to steer clear of it. Just probably go with you there on um, on uh, Oates, mate. Yeah, one of the interesting things with the Broncos is that even though that they've lost McCulloch, they um, have a four forward bench with Patrick Carrigan, Fafita, TPJ now, and Joe O. So it's it's four forward bench isn't good for their forward rotations, that's for sure. So Payne Huss, even though he's still getting good minutes, um, probably isn't going to get as big a minutes as he could have. I thought with Jake Turpin coming in, they'd actually have a bit of a backup plan, but they don't. So, um, yeah, I reckon the Broncos are going to win this one pretty well. I think they're going to win by you know, about 14, 16 points. Um, and I'm tipping Anthony Milford to have a big game and Corey Oates to score a double. Those are my ones for this one. So aside from that... Um, Probably the only other thing to mention to people is um, Thomas Flegler starting. I was actually going to trade him out until I saw that and I reversed. Um, might be a good idea just to wait a week on Flegler, Billy, and see what happens with his minutes. He's only got a 35 VE. Would you just wait and see now? Oh, yeah, 100%, especially if he gets <laughs> actually gets up to 50 minutes. Um, if he gets up to 50 minutes and, and is going really well... Um, yeah, I'm not going to get rid of him. There's still a couple of hundred grand in him, but he needs those minutes, mate. Um, he, there's only so much you can do with 25 minutes off the bench, but if he's doing enough, doing enough to maintain his spot and Tavita just comes off the bench, that's great. But uh, Tavita's committing big minutes. So TPJ could still come off the bench and play 60 minutes and a player could still only get 30 minutes because, you know, Haas is going to play big minutes and Lodge has always been playing sort of 55 to 60, so... Yeah, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. Yeah, the thing that swayed me to just reverse trades and keep Flegler for another week was um, the stats that you mentioned that Manly actually give up some points in the middle there. Um, so if Flegler's got somewhat of a chance if he's starting and he gets decent minutes to maybe hit some attack. Yeah, great um, great draft op- draft option. He's probably one of the, uh, the first people being uh, drafted back in this week. Yep. Uh, so let's move on to the next one. Bulldogs versus Knights. Uh, this one... We've got Kieran Foran returning finally for the Doggies. And uh, Suisaro Sue replaces Ogden on the bench. Um, for the Knights, they've got the same 17. Big ones for this one, Billy. I'm just going to say Kalen Ponga. That's that's a big one to talk about here. He's um, been going great guns, averaging 80-plus points since he's moved to fullback. Scored 90 points on the weekend including a junk time line break try, which really got his score up there in the last few minutes of the game. Uh, he looks like a fantastic option against the Bulldogs this week, as far as C's or even a VC goes. Yeah, I wouldn't even bother with a VC, mate. I'd just straight up. Um, Ponga doesn't score big enough to be a VC, but he's a consistency option. He scores between 75 and sort of 100 every week, pretty much. Um, as long as he's kicking goals, um, which is the rule, mate, he'll do well. Unless, for some reason, you don't own him. <laughs> Um, the, other, the other options would be um, Pierce would be an absolutely cracking option this week for BC. Yeah, Mitch Pierce has been doing really well. And, and for those in draft or just pure head-to-head, that, or if you're just not caring about the buy, he's actually a pretty good option at the moment. Um, and it's worth just mentioning his numbers. He's 474K. Uh, he's got a minus 12 BE. And his last three weeks have been 103, 75 and 61 points. So he's been putting up some great numbers and he's, he's certainly a pod option. Yeah, and the Bulldogs have leaked um, five tons down that right side this year. Yeah, that's really good stats. Um, on the Bulldogs side of things, um, I'm 
I'm still pretty excited for CHN, um, Reese Martin and Oakenbore. I think I'm going to play all three of them in this one. Yeah, I'm not sure about Oakenbore this week. Um, Martin and CHN for sure. Ponga, potential C option. They're the only ones I own apart from Ocker. And yeah, I might even leave Ocker out this week. Oh, last minute decision, I think. Yeah, and um, the doggies didn't go very well on the weekend, but Reese Martin still did, so he's going to be safe. Um, before we move on, I'll just mention a lot of people were disappointed with um, Corey, Howard, and Naira on the weekend. And I think you and me was basically saying the same stuff on different forums that um, he's a he's a centre wing that scored 47 points in a real dud game where they played terrible against Manly. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure what people's expectations were, but when his lowest sort of points output is in the mid-40s, for a centre wing, but he's got the upside of a lot bigger, and he's mostly uh, and he's basically averaging sixty points in centre wing. That's going to be a great option, and you know I I'm actually happy if a centre wing on a really bad week scores forty seven points. So not too sure why everyone yeah. was too displeased. Yeah, mate, he'll come back this week and score fifty five points doing nothing, and then uh, next next week he'll score a try and he'll be scoring ninety, and then all of a sudden it averages out to you know high sixties. What, what else do you want? Yeah, and despite the Knights' resurgence, their their defence, especially in the forwards and on the edges, hasn't been very good. So CHN, is, even if they end up getting pounded by the Knights, is still a likely suspect to be hitting some attack too. Yeah, mate, I agree. So, uh, Knights, Knights uh, league on the edge. So uh, Next game, we've got the Warriors versus Dragons. Um, this one, we've got Cody Nicarima debuting, which means CHT is gone out of the 17. He's a definite sell. Isaac Luke's been dumped to the extended bench, which I was a little bit surprised about, um, with Roach to start and Lawton on the bench. On the Dragons side, um, Corey Norman's got a fractured cheekbone and he's out for between four and eight weeks, and he's replaced by Jai Field. So who are you liking in this one, Billy? Based on uh, form, uh, you'd probably have to go Dragons, but I was at... I was at um, I was at um, Broncos Stadium last year when um, um, when the Warriors came over and they absolutely demoralised um, the Ponies, mate. So I might actually um, go to Warriors. I reckon the Warriors bounce back. I just can't. Either Hunt scores a ton and carries them over the line, or Warriors just throw the ball around and, and put thirty points on. Yeah, I'm not too sure what to make of it either. I think Corey Norman's a pretty big loss for him. Um, market watch wise, uh, CHT is an obvious trade out. Lachlan Burr has been traded out as well. Uh, do you see him as a, a definite trade out now that he's made his money and he, he needs to go? Yeah, I would. Um, only, only reason I'm keeping him one week is because his break even's around, I think it's 61 from memory, and Lolo was 100 and something or other. Um, I'm just going to sit back and, and um, play someone else and save 30k until next week. That's the only reason I'm not selling him. Otherwise, he would have been one of the first on the chopping block this week. But given Fleetless back at uh, lock, I'm kind of just going to get rid of uh, Bateman and and uh, you know the the CH poke in the house. <laughs> <You're> not ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other big rookie being traded in from the Warriors, Patrick Herbert's about to play his third game. Uh, 168k base price. He's got a minus 24 BE, and it's just come out today that Kearney mentioned that um, he's a likely kicker as well. So he looks like a really good trade-in. Um, Carter not only got dropped for him, but now looks like he's injured as well in reserve grade. So his job security seems even better. Here's a tough question for you, Billy. Patrick Herbert um, is, you know, 40 or 50k less than what Aikens is, and now it looks like he's goal kicking. 
So you can only get Herbert or Aikens. Which one are you getting in this week? Um, I got Aikens. Yep. Aikens for me as well, only because of his round 12 eligibility, which I think is really important at the moment. Even if you're head-to-head, I just think with their draw, um, um, Herbert's a goal kicker, but he plays for the Warriors. How many do you think he's going to be converting from in front, let alone converting at all? If anything, he'll be converting from the sideline, so he'll want to have a very high percentage rate. Um, I I just think Aikens has more chance of getting over the line than offsetting anything he can kick. Yep. Well, funnily enough, um, Patrick Herbert's the second most traded in player at 6.6%, but um, Aikens doesn't even make the top 10 traded in list, which I think is really unusual. As far as C and VC options go, I actually don't mind Roger Tuovaza-Shek this week. Even if you're not going to VC or C him, I reckon that he's in for a big game. I reckon Hunt. Hunt or Hunt or Shek, depending on which, which team you want to swing for. Hunt or Shek? Yeah, I can't argue with those ones. Um, I'm going to go for a Warriors upset um, in a high-scoring affair, 28-22. Storm versus Reels, mates. Um, Now, for the Storm, Coach Craig Bellamy has not dumped players, which he threatened to do, so it's a bit of a surprise. Um, So, other than that, on the Eels side of things, we've got Tim Manor returning to the bench and nothing real super coach relevant in this game. So, it's going to be a tough one for your boys, but I tell you what, make a Sevo. I don't want to rub it in that you traded him out, but I've been playing him the last couple of weeks, and he's been on fire. 98 points on the weekend, and he looked really, really good. Yeah, it's just a shame he didn't look as good the first four weeks. <laughs> he's, he, um, look, early on, uh, I can't remember um, exactly, but I'm pretty sure it was uh, the first game. Um, just seemed to make him hit ups, and just he seemed to be getting in there and, and, and ripping in and having a go, which which seemed to make for a really a really good base. Um, but then he just the next game he just did nothing. He just wasn't hitting up. We'd get the ball, just chuck it in the middle for the other guys to hit up, and a, a string of a couple of those scores just gave him the shits. And then he had one decent score to prop himself up. And I thought, you know, look, he's at three hundred odd k. I'll just get rid of him now. There's, there's much better options out there. I can use that coin rather than holding on to him and. Yeah, the needs went on, went on the tear. So, um, yeah, look, props if you held him. I just, I'm kind of hoping that I've used that coin wisely and offset those scores a little bit. But, um, yeah, those those scores he's thrown up are pretty bloody good. So, um, not sure I would be trading him in, give, especially given their versus the Storm this week. But um, the way he's been playing, I'd make anything can happen. So, mate, I think that the Storm are actually going to bounce back because Craig Bellamy gave a massive spray. Um, they were terrible last week against the Sharkies. They all got threatened with the axe. Um, Munster and Cam Smith had a bit of an argument on the field as well. Munster wasn't too happy about it. So I'm expecting a, a big, a big um, fired-up Storm outfit to come and, and blow the eels off the park a little bit. So saying that, would you would you be playing uh, you know, any of these popular eels? You know, you've got Gutherson, Sevo... Ferguson, uh, Reed Marnie, Sean Lane, they're all reasonably popular players. Um, would you just be benching all of them or would you hedge your bets and, and play some? Um, I'd probably still, if I owned Gutherson, I'd probably still play him. The guy's just in such good form at the moment that, but, yeah, mate, the storm of the storm, they, they're going to beat most teams, but they still make points. And if someone is going to score um, some super coach points against them, you'd, you'd like to think it's going to be sort of Gutherson. So I, I'd probably. We still play, uh, play him, given he gets a few runs in the back. Um, 
if you're going to back the numbers that I chucked out earlier in that, um, that storm, that storm, rut, that storm right side defense leak, has leaked three tons this year, like the third, the third most against against all teams. Um, maybe you want to play Sivo um, and hope that the, the Gutherson and Sivo combo works out, but I would not be playing anyone else at all. Yeah, Sivo's been on just such a good run. It's it's pretty hard to bench him after you know back, averaging over a ton the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I couldn't play anyone else. I, I, I actually would play Sivo and Gutherson over Fergo, mate. I would not play anyone else. Yep. All right, fair call. Um, Cameron Munster, I toyed with um, throwing the captaincy on, um, and I'm probably not going to, but I may very well change my mind and put a VC on him with the Roosters playing the next day and a different option there to put the C on. So that's probably the only ones I'm looking at. Have you got any confidence with your Eels, mate, or do you, you agree with me that the Storm's going to come back and, um, and smash them up a little bit? If it wasn't for the Storm getting a touch-up for the Sharks last week, I actually would have tipped the Eels in this one. I think they just play well in, in Brisbane, dry track. Um, even, even when Broncos were strong, they just have a strong um, fan base up here from um, um, from back in the 80s. So that they, the, the Eels games in, in, in Brisbane are pretty much choppers. Like they, they do get a big crowd up here, but yeah, Storm, mate, they, they scare the shit out of me. Yeah, my big call for this one is Cameron Munster, 80 points plus. So we'll move on to the next game, the Roosters versus the Raiders, second last one. Um, Manu Cavalu returns on the wing, pushing Joey Manu back to centre. Mitch Orbison goes back to the bench, and Collins is out. Um, now, the Roosters are going to have Morris back in probably a week or two. He's been out a lot longer than what he was supposed to. Uh, but the big news in this game is on the Raiders front. John Bateman has been fantastic, and he's got a fractured cheekbone. Out for six to eight weeks now, confirmed that he needs to get surgery. Um, he's replaced by Hudson Young. Um, we've got Rapana coming back on the wing, and Simonson moving to the bench. Joey Leilua, who we you know promoted as a potential pod trade in a couple of weeks ago, is sidelined indefinitely with a busted neck, so... There's been just carnage for this Raiders side injury was. Yeah, it's um those lateral lateral owners will be celebrating, mate. He could um he could go well again. Um it, it, even though the Ra- Raiders are a really good defensive record, um the fact that you've got um, Bateman out and the bloke next to him next to him out as well, and Rapana's only just coming back from injury, there's no guarantee how strong how um how solid he's gonna be. Um and a and a, and a rookie young um uh, replacing that position. Um, that's the that's the right side defense. So that's that's where um, that's where Kiri and Lateral and Teddy are going to be sweeping, mate. So I reckon there's a lot of danger down there. Yeah, I agree with you as well. I think they might struggle a bit. Um, I don't care about the Raiders' defensive um, ratings this year so far. I think the Roosters are going to touch them up a fair bit. Um, all those points that you said, really, I agree with. Um, Hudson Young, we mentioned, he's actually another cheapy option for this week. So very quietly, you know, we've got Aikens, Herbert, and Hudson Young this week that all look like pretty good options. Hudson Young's 200k. Um, he's the fifth most traded in guy, but he's still only um, going to be, you know, in eight percent of teams possibly after the trade-ins this week. And he's a second row forward only. He's already made 32k in his rookie price, but he's still got a minus 11 as a BE. And surely with Bateman out, he's going to be looking at. Extended minutes. Um, you know, last game he scored um, 63 points um, when he got the extra minutes, and I just oh, I'm really keen on him to be honest um, because one he's going to give me an extra number for 
uh, the round 12 bye because Bateman's still going to be out then. So you'd imagine that he's going to retain his spot. And he's going to make some money and get some good base as well. So he should be a pretty good rookie to trade in. Yeah, but what is um, Sammy? Look, that that included a try, but yeah, week. it did include a try. Yep. So, what do you think that he's going to get on that? Um, considering that Bateman was an eighty-minute, um, you know, he, he might get eighty minutes, but I doubt it. He's probably looking at sixty. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing the Roosters this week. I reckon you've got a good week to watch and sort of take a hit. Yeah, I think I might get him in. I reckon that he's still going to be able to score, you know, forty-five odd points. Um, and get some decent coin in. Oh, I'm actually considering him pretty highly. Uh, I suppose you don't you don't have to play him. You can yeah, good good point. I reckon you, I had him penciled in earlier than I saw that and I thought, oh I'll sit back and watch a week. But you know what? You actually don't have to play him. You can just you can just get him in for this week knowing that look, he's uh, a cheap guy who's gonna appreciate in, in price. You only have to play him once and saves you bringing in like a, a kick-out type knowing that you're going to get someone to score you sort of 45, 50 points anyway. Yeah, exactly, mate. Um, John Bateman's obviously the most traded-out player, 27.5%, gone for six to eight weeks. I tell you what, I, I can't do it, but I was toying with the fact when it was initially four to five weeks as a time frame, I was, I was going to try and hold him and keep him in the side because I expected everybody to trade him out. And then I thought that he would end up being a pod pretty quickly and it would be a bit of a pod move to still own him. But six to eight weeks, you can't really do it. I guess you've got to just get him out. It's too much money to have on the bench for too long. Yeah. Um, just looking at this kid's minutes, though, um, he seems to be a, a point-per-minute type bloke. It, it is easier to do that when you're only playing sort of you know, 15, 20 minutes, 14 minutes. But he's... Um, 11 points off 40 minutes, 10 off 7, 22 off 23, 18 off 15. Very quickly, just go and have a look at where they're coming from to see whether he's a runner or just a tackler. Yeah, he's a tackler, mate. He's he's making he's making a tackle a minute. So if he plays 60 and, minutes, it's going to probably go down, but he's still a good chance of you know tackles in the 40s potentially. So 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 just quickly, his tackles were a tackle every couple minutes. A tackle every couple every couple minutes of being on the field. Um, apart from the last game, fifty four minutes, and he had 20, ta- 20 tackles. So, yeah, almost a tackle every every couple minutes of being on the field. So, if you get sixty minutes, you like to think he's going to get sort of thirty tackles, uh, hit ups. He's pretty ordinary there. He's at, um, most of them are sort of one meter, not sort of H eight. So he's not really. Oh no, I like that was just the last game. So yeah, add an extra, add an extra sort of fifteen points in H eight. Does he have any tackle bus? Got a couple of yeah, got a couple of net mate. I think he's probably good for fifty points based on 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 the loose numbers. Yeah, and that that's going to be really handy for round twelve, and it's also going to be handy as far as cash rises go to trade him out after that to a round sixteen number. So I'm pretty big on him actually as a forward. You don't get too many starting cheapy Fords that come in at this point, so I reckon he's a good one. Um, yeah, Raiders guys, all edges have all been playing 80 minutes too, so... If he gets 80, that's going to be gold, um, but he should get at least 60, which is still going to be great. Uh, on the Rooster side of things, um, I'm pretty excited for Teddy in this matchup, and I'm probably going to throw the C on him at this point. I'm, I'm pretty resigned to doing it. Yeah, decent call, mate. Um, last week he was pretty um, underwhelming. SC, uh, SC wise, he just seemed to sit on um, 
sit on 40, 50, and then just didn't seem to elevate. And then his, his um, final adjustments went from, you know, sort of 60 to 80 to 70 and, and backwards and forwards. And that was with him not going over the line. So if that's Teddy not really performing, um, I'd hate to think what he's going to do when he's on, mate. Yeah, and t- Teddy and Ponga are two of these guys. Now, I was looking at it today and just thinking to myself, you know, it's really changed. Like three years ago, um, it was the forwards that were the reliable guys and the backs were unreliable. You know, you, you'd be worried about the low scores and whatever, and those are in the days when you had the Paul Gallons and the Parkers that you're guaranteed sort of 70 points out of. But these days, it's um, it's really turned around a bit. Like Tedesco and Ponga, those two are about as, as solid as you can get. Their base is basically like, you know, a good forward as far as a floor goes. Yeah, mate, they get much better. Um, Teddy's... Teddy's tackle buster boy has really done in favours, mate. He just um, he just seems to get here and have a couple of runs. Um, uh, just to put it in perspective, like watching watching someone like CHN last week, um, you, you see a guy go for you know a H eight, then then the tackle bus, tackle bus, and offload. That's pretty much that's pretty much Teddy. What what once he gets on a run, like he's you're not waiting for a guy like that to get the ball on 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 the edge or on, on the wing like Rapana. Um, at the end of every set, there's a kick to the fullback uh, or the wing, and you just got to hope that you know half of them go to Teddy because you know once he gets that run up the middle, uh, there's a t- there's a t- there's a chance for you know a fan plus that HJ and whatever he can do off the back of that. So for him, for a bloke like for an explosive bloke like him, you're kind of hoping for four to six points every run. Yep. Yeah, he's been really reliable. Um, so Latrell Mitchell's obviously another option that people could try and. You know, push their luck and throw the C on again after getting 158 points last week. Um, I wouldn't be rushing to buy him at over 650k though. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to just throw out there a real um, ballsy pod option because I'm having a look at this guy for round 16. Um, Daniel Tupo, pretty expensive at the moment, 460k. He scored 90 points on the weekend um, with one try in that, and. 38, 56, 43, 60, 34, 77, 56. Not the best, but he's still averaging 57 points. Um, and I've been waiting for him to get a bit cheaper because I've been eyeing him off for maybe round 16. Against the Raiders, um, my big call for this week, I reckon Daniel Tupo's going for a double and I think he's going to put up another big score. Yeah, but are you going to buy him and play him this week and then hold him for seven weeks before you play him again? I'd like to. Ten weeks, whatever it is. I looked at it. Yeah. I, I wanted to, but I can't do it. So. <laughs> yeah. Take, takes up a very valuable position, mate. I, I just went to try and squeeze Gutherson in there um, with Aikens and just looked at the back line and thought, who the hell am I cutting? No one. So, <laughs> yeah, that's Aikens and uh, and uh, Hudson for me, mate, at, at the moment. Yep, yep, yep. No, I'd love to have him um, in draft, but um, don't, unfortunately. But, yeah, I think he's going to be a big option this week for anyone that does actually own him. Um, I reckon he'll get a double against the Raiders. So I'm going to call the Roosters by 20-plus here which might be a big call considering the Raiders' defence, and Teddy for a ton. Teddy for a ton's a good call. The other one, uh, not so sure. <laughs> I just, that, uh, you, you just don't know who's going to score points on those edges, mate. Yep. Um, next, the last game of the round, we've got the Rabbitohs versus the Cowboys. Another real juicy one for Supercoach for this week. No changes for the Rabbits. Braden Burns is um, apparently due back in round 11. Supercoach news for the Cowboys. Um, Cohen Hess is actually back in the starting side. Um, that's only because Josh McGuire is actually out with a calf injury, though. Kyle Felt's back. He hasn't played this year. And finally, um, back to push Tom O out of the side. 
but not particularly super coach relevant. The main relevant thing for this one, Billy, is Jason Tomalolo playing his second game back from injury. He scored a try last week um, and smashed it, but he's still got a break-even of over 100 points, and he looks like he's going to be a prime trade-in very shortly. Yeah, wasn't that try annoying? Oh, so <laughs> annoying. you got to stump up more cash for it. But um, oh, um, Granville just made that look so easy, but he just, one step right, just looks... Just look for Lalo. Just twisted everyone back in, back inside out. And he just, yeah, it was a lot. It's hard enough to stop him when he's going forward. Yet alone changing trajectory, changing his line and coming back at you, mate. So yeah, no, no one was stopping that. I don't think they even touched him. Yeah, he, it was pretty easy. Um, and he managed eighty-five points with a line break and try, fifty-six points in base, and all in only fifty-eight minutes. So he pretty much left off, came back and just started going at it again. So it was. Good to see um, if you were ballsy enough to trade him in, because a few people did. Um, but 119 BE, next week he plays Para. Uh, he's going to be a prime trade-in for next week. Let's just hope against the Rabbits this week he doesn't go too well, and definitely no try, please. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to sort of buy him this week, so no one's not, sorry, not no one, not many are going to get the points this week. But um, yeah, let's just hope he's not too, too expensive for next week. Jason Tomalolo is actually the most traded in player at the moment, surprisingly enough. Yeah, it's because um, it's so bloody vanilla this year that people are just after points. They don't give a crap about money because their teams are already choppers with guns. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind getting him in this week if um, if you know you've made all the other moves and stuff, and you don't need to get a cheapie and stuff. Like if you need the points, especially. I was saying today, if you need the points and you're going to get him for round 12 and you need points this week because you've got guys out, I don't mind getting him at all. Like we said earlier, it's only going to cost you 30k. Um, but on the trade outside for market watch, just quickly, Michael Morgan has been as the third most traded out guy and he's been really disappointing. He's got a BE of 70. Um, he's obviously going to play Origin. I think that's a great trade out. Um, on the bunny side, I'm both really looking forward to it, Billy, as a Sergis and Cook owner. I think both of those guys could go well because, like you said, the Cowboys give up points to other Fords. But I am shit scared not being a Cody Walker owner. Yeah, I look for his draw. Um, <laughs> not uh, not conducive for the faint-hearted if you don't own him. And even if you do own him, it's not conducive to the faint-hearted because you'll be that excited. <laughs> 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 you'll be you'll be strapped to a heart monitor, mate. Um yeah, I'm just praying he doesn't score a treble this week or next or the week after. I really want his price to come down, but uh, I can't see it coming down too much because the, the guy's just a freak. Look, I think Lolo being back and the game being played at Suncorp helps the Cowboys not get flogged too much, but it's still hard for me to see the Rabbits not winning by at least 16 or 18 points. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all that, mate. So, just finally, would you um, would you go a ballsy C in this one with how Cody Walker's been going and just and just slap a C on him being the last game? No, not at all. I, I don't like Walker for a C because um, he can be on five points with 10 minutes to go and score a double. Um, he can score a double in the first half and five points in the second half. I just think he's just less of a heart attack if you just have him in your team or use him as a VC option. Um, I, I don't want to back a, uh, a, um, a five-eight versus the cows, mate, especially on, on the Queensland round in Queensland. Yep. All right, fair enough. Um, I reckon he's a ballsy option. If you really need to win a head-to-head, I, I think that's the way to go um, towards the end of a round. But uh, that'll wrap it up for Magic Round, Billy. So hopefully you enjoy the games, mate, and you catch up with a few of the boys that we chat to and stuff. Yeah, mate, looking forward to it. A couple of beers and a 
and the eels game be good. <laughs> All right, cheers, Billy. I'll chat to you next week. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, download us on SoundCloud or iTunes and follow us on NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars on Twitter. Uh, give us a share around for the episodes and stuff. We'll be back to um, the mailbag next week after giving it a miss for this week. Hopefully everyone enjoys Magic Round. If you're in Queensland or Brisbane, you're in luck. I'd be in it for all four, all four days for sure. Um, but otherwise, good luck with your capacity choices and we'll chat to you next week.